welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And welcome to the show. Uh, it is uh, August 17th, about 8.30 p.m. night here on the East Coast. Uh, as we're recording this, you'll listen to this on Thursday. So congratulations to you. Made it another day. Uh, and yeah, we missed uh, we missed an episode because we were busy. And that means that there's news to backfill on for our discussion. And the largest piece of news, uh, without any doubt, really, is that Fernando Tatis Jr. got smacked down with a suspension, a big, fat 80-game suspension for violating the uh, PED policy of MLB. And uh, boy, howdy, did that come out of nowhere uh, and leaves the Padres, uh, and to a certain extent, Tatis in kind of a weird uh, situation. First of all, leaves the Padres in kind of a prickly sitch uh, because they were expecting him back and they are looking to make a deep playoff run and obviously have to go up against the Dodgers, which as Corey and I have talked about has been an arms race for years. And, and especially uh, as of late, they are like 10 and four, 15 and four in their last handful of games. They're unstoppable. Um, it is deeply upsetting. So there's that. Uh, and additionally, you know, the Padres committed a whole bunch of money to Tatis and he has missed a lot of time in part due to the injury that he was rehabbing at when the suspension came down. And then now will be because of the suspension as well, which I will note is from an off season bicycle accident. Not even a on the field injury. So there's a lot to kind of dig into with this. Um, Cause really this runs the gamut of PED discussion from major topics. Like the fact that, you know, he, a player got a, a big all-star MVP caliber player got suspended all the way down to some of the uh, uh, you know, like ethnic reasons for this stuff because it's been a lot of players from the dr it's been a lot of players from the dr who have gotten these suspensions from medications that they have been prescribed in the dr this is the same thing with robbie cano a few years ago uh so i mean really this is this is the entirety it's feeling this touches like every single aspect of of this um this rule implementation possible Mm -hmm. so from the start uh, how are you feeling about your Padres? Um, incredibly not great. Um, it's uh, it's incredibly disappointing. I mean, Manny Machado's response basically talking about, and, and Mike Clevenger too, who both kind of emphasize like, hey, this isn't the first time you've had a stupid mistake that has seriously affected not only yourself and your career, but the team you play for. This is one that's going to be tarnishing for the rest of your career. We don't dislike you as a person, but you're letting a lot of people down, including yourself. And you expect better from a guy who's the face of baseball. 
Um, I mean, he's on the most recent issue of uh, MLB The Show. It's kind of hard to argue that he's not one of the most popular and looked up to players in the league. Um, and it like it comes down to all of that, the things you see, you know, at the stadium with the fans. Like he seems like a genuinely happy-go-lucky, you know, good person who just makes the stupidest fucking decisions and uh it is all in all disappointing now there's been some um dispute i guess amongst the reports the tatis and his own family uh, about what the substance that he tested positive for was um and what it was intended to accomplish so that's a little bit murky at first they said it was uh, ringworm treatment, and then it was everyone. Some people were saying it was to treat a, a fungal infection from a bad haircut. Um, it's really kind of been a, a, a never changing story, which uh, it presents kind of essentially the Robbie Cano issue, which was he didn't test positive for steroids. He tested positive for a uh, medication, a diuretic that's used to potentially mask steroid use. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that comes as a result of MLB being very, very cautious around performance enhancing drugs of any kind of entering any kind of entering, uh, you know, the the field, uh, so to speak. So there is a great sensitivity around what type of medications players can use and to make sure that any, um, any and all medications are approved by MLB offices to ensure that there is not a miscommunication issue as one could argue the Robbie Cano issue was. So regardless, no one has said that this was steroids. At least I've seen, I haven't seen anyone actually say this was steroids. I've only seen that it has been, a banned substance under the steroid, the PED abuse policy, which at the end of the day, it's still a suspension under that policy. So it, it, it might be splitting hairs. It, it, I guess it depends on how much you care about this issue. Um, but there is that slight distinction. It is very believable, though, for it to be steroids because Tatis is rehabbing an injury. And with how really well the Padres have played this season and how much I'm sure Tatis wants to be on the field with his um, with his teammates and, and get ready to prime for a playoff position, one would understand his feeling of urgency to resume play. Uh, close to ball, which is what he tested positive for, is an anabolic steroid. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, there we go. So it is a steroid. There you go. Now uh, it is what D Gordon and Freddie Galvis were suspended for. You know, it's so funny because I was thinking of D Gordon and Freddie Galvis when I was saying earlier about how the fact that he's an all-star kind of contributes to this whole large discussion because when D Gordon and um, Freddie Galvis had their suspensions, it was like, ah, weird. Uh, yeah, moving out of on. nowhere. Yeah. Like, okay, neat. Done with that. I guess neither of them power hitters. Neither of them, you know, another them all stars. Like neither of them both. I mean, I don't want to say lean guys because Freddie Galvis is not, but they're not 
massive bulky you know hyper muscular guys it, it it does seem like it's more of a lean recovery what do i know talking out of my ass but what is oh yeah so um by the way, I'm just double checking myself. D Gordon was D Strange Gordon, I should say, was an all-star twice. Freddie Galva's never been an all-star. Really? Cool. D Strange Gordon has received MVP votes in two seasons. That's just wild to say. That is a that is a future trivia answer that I will be like, oh, really? But we'll have no chance of actually getting. No. Um, hold on one second. So uh, to that effect, how this affects the Padres, I guess we can start there since it's probably one of the least interesting pieces about this, uh, looking at it holistically anyway. Uh, so the Padres, as mentioned, uh, I think the last time we talked, has had Ha-Song Kim slotted in the shortstop position for the majority of the season. Um, he has been playing very well. He is a 102 OPS plus for the team. Um, I can pull up some baseball savant numbers for you as well but he is um he should be the gold glover at shortstop i'll say it and and uh, he's not we also detailed the 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 yankees shortstop situation last time we talked he is not that like it has not been a fuck this is terrible um Mm -hmm. obviously he has produced to an extent that is less than what one would hope offensively anyway from literally actually Fernando Tatis Jr. But he has been completely serviceable. His outs above average is in the 96th percentile. Uh, he is hitting perfectly reasonably. So um, like his sliders are all not very good, but at the same time, his actual results are basically league average, if not a scotch better. So to that effect, who fucking cares? Um, so for, for the Padres, again, obviously this really hurts. You're going to be missing out on what is probably, you know, a, another year of really, really cool uh, Fernando Tatis stuff and production. But at the end of the day, it probably would have been maybe 30 games of regular season play, maybe, uh, and then the postseason run. And we'll see how this affects things in the postseason. It's tough to speak to that right now. And the long-term vantage point, the Padres have committed you know, over $300 million to Fernando Tatis Jr. So some people have been bringing up the financial aspect of this as well. Uh, do you have any opinion? I don't care about the money. I'm not like it, it gets them under the salary luxury tax. Uh, I almost said salary cap, but I, I do not give a shit. Yeah. I, I, I heard someone mention this uh, in my five minutes, listening to sports talk radio this morning. I was kind of taken aback that they'd even care to bring it up. Uh, Tatis making $5.7 million this year and making $7.7 million next year. So who fucking cares? Non-issue. Like, just complete non-issue. Obviously, there's conversation about the maturity of of, of, a, of the player, you know, um, as some people have seen this as being something of a slightly immature thing to do to rush back to resume your play. While I do think it's very understandable to be like, fuck, I gotta, I gotta get back. Um, he is young and I'm sure this, I'm sure it's also not going to be a long-term concern. I don't think we have to worry about Fernando Tatis Jr. habitually using steroids for the rest of his career. Now, to speak to 
the because again, this really runs the gamut of, of subjects. If Fernando Tatis Jr. is to end up a Hall of Fame t- type player, you know, he plays another, he plays out the rest of his contract, really, which is another what fucking 12 years or some shit. Um, actually, yes, literally 12 years and ends up being, you know, 90 war dude. Does this suspension matter? Um, because with a lot of the other guys that we've talked about, our Barry Bonds's, our Alex Rodriguez's, our Roger Clemens's, um, their PED suspensions have come at the end of their career in the final years of their career. And so, because there wasn't firm testing before those points, they there was uh speculation about how much to what extent of their career was tainted by PED usage and therefore made those statistics invalid. However, with rigid testing and the fact that this suspension is happening in Tatis's what would have been his fourth season in MLB, one could very reasonably assume that if he plays 10 to 12 more years of really high quality baseball with no further incidences under greater scrutiny because of a prior positive test, that he should probably be fine, I would think. But I'm wondering if you have an opinion. The only other like big counter argument I would see like right off the page is yeah, because all of those guys tested for it later on in their careers, they never carried that cloud of suspicion and, you know, uh, reputation with them for their entire career. I mean, yeah, Tatis could play another, you know, 15 years, play out his deal, put up 60, 70, 80 war. But the entirety of that time, it will be under the guise of, oh, well, he's a cheater. It doesn't matter that he's not currently. He has in the past and shit. Once a cheater, always a cheater. We'll have to see how the narrative works because it's it's dissimilar to our um, Jose Altuve's and George Springer's of the world where they were on the 2017 Astros and there was a lot of scrutiny around that. And it's like, are they still doing it? But a lot of those guys have changed teams since then and have been very good. And so it's very reasonable for you to say like, all right, yeah, so they cheated in maybe at most three seasons of their career. Uh, But outside of that, you know, if, if every season outside of those three seasons is just as good uh, or only slightly worse than those three seasons, does it fucking matter? And the answer, I think, would be no. And I, I think it's even uh, less murky when talking about Tatis because he will be under that greater screw. And it's a very binary thing. You know, it's either you are testing positive for PEDs or you are not. Um, whereas the did you find a new way to cheat thing could have a different answer, some conspiracy theory laden ass answer. Honestly, I, I kind of I'm with you now. Um, not that I wasn't before, just I, I absolutely could see that. And part of me hopes that that is the case because I do have faith in Tatis. And look, I'm a fan. I own his jersey. It's hard not to be unbiased. Um, but I also like the, the attention and the attitude towards the Astro players, not from, you know, like Reddit and Twitter fans, but more of, you know, baseball and baseball media at large. I could see him, you know, where it is under that scrutiny. If he plays clean, I could see it dissipating a bit. Um, since I mentioned conspiracies, one of the th- fun conspiracy theories that 
I will choose to believe uh, that I saw on Twitter was that the reason the Padres ended up acquiring Juan Soto was because they knew that this Tatis suspension was coming. And look, I don't know how that would work. I don't know how you would know that uh, or, or how much advance notice MLB front offices give or whatever. But man, that is a fun conspiracy theory if it ends up being true. Um, even if it's not, I just enjoy a, a, a good harmless conspiracy theory like Juan Soto becoming a Padre because Tatis was going to be suspended. Fuck you. But AJ Preller is the kind of cokehead to kind of whip that up in a frenzy. Also, if it's true, like, good job. Yeah. Right? Like, solid work. A plus. Like, if there was ever a time to be like, ah, losing Fernando Tatis for the next 80 games isn't going to be that bad. It's it's literally right now. Cool. All right. Yeah, no, that's fine. We're doing okay. We will take care of it. Yeah. You- We're not doing great. Would have been great to have him, but yeah, I'll be okay. Um. Oh, there was another point I was going to bring up about this whole uh, debacle. Uh, but <laughs> man, I can't think of what the fuck it was. But... Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, so he'll be missing the rest of this season for sure. He'll be missing part of next year, but he'll be coming back. Uh, First 43 probably. games. Yeah, so he'll be back in, uh, I guess, that early uh, early May next May. year. Yeah. That, you know, sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, Tatis has been sparsely on the field, I guess. Part of that's not his fault, Part because part of that is the, the shortened season of 2020 where he played 59 of 60 possible games. Um, but he is uh, in his three seasons of play, which, and this obviously would have been four, if not for the bicycle accident, uh, he has played. So really, I guess we could say in four seasons, um, since there are, there is a season, he just didn't play any games, uh, 273 games played. So not most of them, um, I guess, but, uh, in that, very limited time span. He has amassed 13.6 war, which is stupid. It's so, that's so dumb. Uh, his, his 162 average, his season average, season pace average, I should say, um, is 8.1 war. And like, that's fuck, fucking stupid. That's just so dumb. That's an MVP. Average. Can you, can you check what Mike Trout's 162 game averages for his career? Oh, geez. What do you think it is? I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be like 7.7. Oh, buddy, you are super wrong. It is 9.5. Ooh, I love that so much. Absolutely revolt. That's 9.5 with this season, only 79 games, 3.8 war. Last season, uh, only 36 games, 1.8 war, and 2020, f- 53 games, which is the full season, and only 1.8 war. I uh, just, oh, oh my god, it's been so long since my couch been good. This fucking guy, um, god damn, Mike, stop it. I will say to bring the mood back down, one final thing on Fernando Tatis, he was like two games away from being activated. Like he well, was, which is probably how he got right caught. there. Eh, That's very true. Like I'm sure they're not going to do too many regular check-ins before you're ready to return to the league. I, I don't know. That'd be my presumption. But uh, I know he was tested in like March or May and passed. 
So it's not like it's been the entirety of whatever. And I guess if it, if it is the ringworm issue, that was relatively recent, but fucking whatever. Unbelievable story. Ringworm? Uh, I was reading like the long form Reddit post about it and I caught myself going like, oh, like this. That does make sense the way you lay it out. Wait, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. The, Am I being the, hoodwinked? The, the, the copium really, really takes hold there. Uh, yeah, it's no good. Uh, also in lighter news, though, on the opposite a- end of the age spectrum, Albert Pujols is, has inched ever closer towards making a run at 700 home runs. He uh, hit a couple in, in, a, in a game the other day which has brought his career total up to 689 career home runs, 11 away from 700 and only seven away from tying Alex Rodriguez for fourth in MLB history. Um, Additionally, since we last spoke, Albert Pujols has turned on the Jets and uh, racked up 0.5 war for the season, bringing his career total Back up to 100 even. Love to see it. It's beautiful. Do you know if it's a rounding thing or if it's like a genuinely 100 war? I can only tell what baseball reference tells me. (laughs) Touche. Yeah. Um, Oh, God. I just will start searching the Angels schedule. It's the Cardinals now. St. Louis, baby. I want to see how many games they have left. They are 64 and 51, which is 115 games, which means they have 47 left. You could you could get 11 home runs in 47 games. What do you think is more likely? Albert Pujols hits 11 more home runs for the rest of the season, or he hits his first triple since 2014. Oh, 11 home runs. <laughs> He is not like a triple. How many triples do you think Albert Pujols has in his career, given that he has 3,348 hits um, and a slugging percent for his career of 542? How many triples? Um, How many seasons has he played? Uh, 22. Fuck me. That is so many. (laughs) Albert Pujols Uh, has been in baseball since 2001. When Albert Pujols started his career, the Twin Towers were still standing. Oh, no. We cannot use that as a barometer of time. Uh, Benchmark. Um, 150. Triples? Yeah. 16. (laughs) I was really hoping a young Albert Pujols had some fucking cardio. Well, and you'd think with that many... With that high of a slugging percent, it would be bolstered by, like you said, like right. maybe young Albert Pujols legging out a couple just rockets in a big stadium. No, his career high was his rookie year at four, and then he never hit more than two. Holy fuck. Yeah, it, fucking hilarious. I love Albert. I should have thought harder about stolen bases because I've seen him try and steal bases. And well, how that funny man is, is it- not running he out has, three bags. He has a hundred more stolen bases than triples. He has 117 stolen bases, 16 triples. What's can you non sequitur? What's uh Ricky's triples to 
uh, steal rate. Oh, wait, that's a fascinating question. Because um, he can at least hit triples. He, my man, Ricky had the legs. Uh, oh, Ricky had a lot fewer triples than I would have thought. Um, Ricky's number is going to be actually a lot worse than Pujols's because really? of how high his stolen base count is. Touche. So um, taking Albert's stolen bases of 117 and dividing it by his number of triples, um, which is 16, that's 7.3 stolen bases per triple. Sorry, triple. Yeah, sorry. Now I had it right. Seven, 7.3 stolen bases per triple. Uh, Ricky Henderson has 1,406 stolen bases a lot. and it's only a lot 66 triples. Whoa. Which means that he is stealing 21.3 uh, bags for every triple he hits, whereas which, Albert's is a third of that. That's a lot. I, I, I think I would take that. I, I guess if it's more than three at a time or more than double, it would be a positive. As far as total bases, I guess it really doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm not even going to pretend like I'm going to start doing that math because, buddy, I will not. It's, it's not good math, that's for sure. How wild is it that Ricky only won a single MVP? That is not something I believe. Sorry, I, I don't believe you. Yeah, and what's also wild is that Ricky made his last All-Star game in 1991 and then never went again. And from 92 to, uh, let's see, uh, 99, he was fantastic. He had an OPS plus for those seasons of 121 um, and also stole like a million bags. I I don't, um, actual number, 340 bases. His on base was 410. How did he not make a single all star game? Wow. Ah, man, just weird. All right, off topic. Uh, so um, too, too off topic. Question for Albert Pujols. Okay. If he hits, uh, he's got 11 left. If he hits like eight home runs, does he pull like a, an Ichiro no. and come back to start next season? play for a month and then hey I got 700 I'm out if A-Rod didn't do it and granted he there's a little bit different because he different got kind of blackballed but A-Rod was only four home runs away from 700 and if no one made that happen I would imagine Pujols isn't going to hang around either especially because he's already had like his, his goodbye tour and I don't see him as like a Tom Brady-esque figure who's going to be like nah fuck it I'm coming back I will say if uh, God, I just lost all train of thought as I said that. Fuck me every goddamn time. That's okay, um, buddy. Oh, Albert still smashes lefties. Like he still has positive value for a team as like a pinch hitter. Oh, he totally does. I don't think Albert would want to. Okay. I, That's I, your angle. If, I get if it. If you told me that the Cardinals brought him back for like not a lot of money, just to hang out and occasionally pop in as a platoon DH, I'd say, okay, I could see it. The Cardinals do some weird shit um, and they're usually smart about it. So it could work. Uh, but I don't think Albert would want. He's so old for a baseball. He is. This is his age for a baseball season. 
he like he is going to be 43 next year. I think he should stop. How long does a, a baseball actually last in a game? Like maybe an inning? No. Less? Dude, no. It dude, a lot of those like balls don't last two batters. Out. Really? No. Because if you hit a foul ball, that ball's useless. Or if the ball hits the dirt, it's useless. I guess, yeah. Are pitchers really that particular? Oh, well, MLB is very particular. Because once a ball oh, has been fouled it's... off, it changes the integrity of the ball and deadens it a little bit, so you have to change it out. And if the ball gets too dirty, um, then it becomes potentially dangerous, which is a rule back from the early 1900s when a guy died. I would imagine baseball technology and grip has gotten a little better. Visibility was the concern. Mm. Even though they darken the balls anyway. But not a significant amount. I get Look, ones. Uh, am you I know defending what? Look, this very hard? No, I'm not. Fair. I'm just explaining the idea. I am just a frugal and conservative in that way person where that just seems wasteful. Uh, it does. However, they do end up usually becoming, um, if not triple A batting practice balls, then they do get like, they don't just throw them in a big old baseball dumpster bin afterwards. Like they get sent other places to be used for other purposes where it's their true full integrity doesn't really matter very much. So they, they get, they get distributed. You sure? part of the other reason why I'm sure MLB's not like too fucking upset about it. Yeah. Hey, how about that mud guy that might lose his job? The mud guy? Oh, the New Jersey mud people? Yeah. Well, the one dude that does it. Oh, his family anyway. Uh, Hey, buddy, your job is stupid. (laughs) I'm sorry you might lose it, but like buddy, this is a scam and you know it. Like Like it's such a historic thing and it's such a unique cool fact. That, like, I want it to live on and I want this guy to succeed. Of course I want this guy to succeed. It's MLB. Fuck MLB. Um, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, dude, you literally just, you you collect a couple buckets of mud a year. I know you're not, like, prospering off of it, but, like, it's not doing society yeah, anything. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 you'll be fine. You'll figure it's, something it's like else out. You, you definitely don't spend like, it's definitely not like you're making below minimum wage doing the work for this. This seems like a very like low investment type situation. Like you'll do this. Oh yeah. This is weekend work. This is your side hustle. I hate that I use the term side hustle, but this is not a career. Yeah. Now being the MLB mud guy, (laughs) It would be dope if he was considered MLB royalty and had like a super cool position and whatever, but no. Yeah. Not in the real world. Um, okay. And moving on, the Yankees have been bad recently. It has not been fun to watch the New York Yankees play baseball recently. I have not enjoyed it. It has been, oh no, oh no, 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 no. Very not good. Um, yeah, not been yeah. a fan and it has been Ooh. getting progressively worse, uh, as we are 
talking right now, the Yankees are playing the Tampa Bay Rays and are on the verge of being swept. I've got a current score of four to two. And let me tell you, folks, not looking good. If you're asking the Yankees to overcome a two-run deficit, I would say they don't have it in them. Uh, and it's confounding because the Yankees seem to be doing really well um, in the various stages of their performance over the course of the season. So if we look at their hitting, their monthly splits for hitting, then we can see in the beginning of the year, uh, they were at a, let's see, which one of these we use again? Relative player, relative league, yeah. Uh, in April, March, they were ha- they had an SOPS plus of 122, so they were 22% better hitting than the uh, rest of the teams. May was down to 99. June, 119. July, 134. August has fallen off a cliff down to 85. They went from being 34% better than your average, than your other team's average player or whatever all the way down to 15% worse. Oof. And it's tough to really, uh, to really wrap your head around it. Um, Cause if we look what, at eight and 17 since the all-star break, something crazy like that. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, it, if you look at stuff like, like how they've been slugging, I mean, every number goes down, but the slugging number is really what's what's so wild about it, which will paint the the, the broadest picture, I think. Uh, April, March, 426. May, 401. June, 468. July, 479. August, 360. Wow. They've only hit 15 home runs so far. Granted, there's still like, about two weeks left in the month, so that number could nearly double. But even if it does double, that 30 home runs will be their least since April, March, which barely even counts as a month. Um, triples count as whatever. Doubles are way down. Their hits totals are down. Their caught stealing is more than their stolen bases for the first time uh, all year. They haven't even stolen double-digit bases yet. Uh, every, everything has really taken a huge drop-off. Uh, and it and and walks are way down too. They've only had 48 walks on the month so far. So it, it's really it's not just been the poor contact that's led to a massive reduction in their slugging. It's also been really poor play discipline that's resulted in them being incapable of hitting uh, uh, working counts and getting earning their walks. Which, I mean, makes sense when you look at the players they've been trotting out there every day now. Because with Stanton hurt, most recently DJ Lemayhew hurt. Um, Joey Gallo now off the team, Matt Carpenter hurt MVP level, Joey Gallo off the team, MVP level guy. But even when he was getting very much maligned, you knew he had the capability of hitting a home run. Whereas Isaiah Kiner Falefa just hit his first one of the season the other day. Uh, and Aaron Hicks has six on the year. And I swear to God, all six of those are imaginary. We, we just, got like full on indoctrinated as a society into believing that they happen. Um, you know, like Kyle Higashioka, Marwin, Marwin Gonzalez, I don't think has a hit since June. I'm being completely serious too. I don't think he has a hit since June. Um, Holy cow. Miguel and Duhar got optioned back down to triple a today. Like it's been 
an embarrassing lineup almost daily um, with the only two real threats in the lineup at this point being Aaron judge and Anthony Rizzo. Um, but it really, I mean, if you look at the team by OPS plus it's uh catcher, Jose Trevino, one Oh five, Anthony Rizzo, 134, Glipper Torres, one Oh seven. And then it's just abysmal. It's uh, IKF at 85 Donaldson at 97, Joey Gallo at 78, but he would have at this point been replaced by, I mean, he's been replaced by, uh, Tim LaCastro has gotten reps. Benintendi's gotten reps. Benintendi's OPS plus is 90, so it's not like those reps are doing much. Uh, Aaron Hicks is, is 88. Aaron Judge is 198, just huge from him. But uh, then Stan at 127, but he hasn't been playing much. And his replacements have, have been, again, like, you know, Marwin Gonzalez in his 78 OPS plus and Miguel Andujar in his 52 OPS plus. It, it's been rough. You'd think that the pitching had also gone through some similar woes based on what we've been seeing with with the the really quite poor record. And it has been worse collectively than it was earlier on in the year, but not to the point where you'd think that they'd be losing at the tremendous clip that they've been losing. Really it comes down to the hitting. Their ERA by month, April, March, 270 as a team. May 3.06, June 2.94, July 4. And then August has actually improved back down to uh, 3.97. So right around July, but been certainly an improvement. The problem is in July, the team was mashing. So even though they didn't have the best record coming back from the all-star break, it didn't really matter too much, but August, man, they, they have lost a ton of one to two run games because they cannot put guys across the plate. It's been confounding. And, you know, you and I just talked about this the other day about how they've been having these issues with guys at shortstop and and, and some of the other positions and, and how production has fallen off a cliff and their refusal to have done anything at the trade deadline and their refusal up until today of calling anybody up. They finally called up um, Esteban Floreal and Oswaldo Cabrera to, to, to try to spark the lineup. But it's been mind-blowing to watch it happen. I guess what I want to know is do you expect it? Do you expect the ship to be righted? Fuck me. I, I would I would say no. Will <laughs> go ahead. No, I was just trying to rephrase, but you got it. I say no. I think that the team will improve by the end of the year. Like I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that they're a true 68 win pace team. They're underperforming like crazy right now. But the pitching's good, and it's going to stay good. I know Clay Holmes went on the IL, but he'll be back, and blah, 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 blah. Um, but once you get DJ back, Stanton back, um, oh, someone else I can't think of who's currently hurt. I know I said it. I can't think of Oh, Matt Carpenter back, who may end up coming back to be seen. You know, they'll, they'll help round out the lineup a little bit, and hopefully one of the, the young guys between Floreal and uh, Cabrera end up, providing some level of impact. But the problem is there's only so much better the team can get because the Yankees didn't make any big acquisitions. And I understand, like I like I was saying last week when we recorded, I understand that Harrison Bader is going to provide some really good value, especially defensively out in the field. And his bat will likely be an improvement over Aaron Hicks. Totally get it. How much better? How much? Mm-hmm. I... Labor Torres, I don't even know what to do with anymore. 
it's getting it's getting tough. I know his 107 OPS plus isn't like destitute. It's still better than average, but man, he's been looking rough out tonight. there. He did, so that'll probably go up. But he's been he's been looking listless out there. It's it's wild, and they have him leading off, which. <laughs> Oh God, I, uh, I hate it. Um, and it's just so odd to see a team be on pace, and we say on pace a lot, and on pace doesn't really mean much. But the huge fall from being on pace to break the single season wins record, all the way down to being a on pace sixty eight win team, um, had the season started at the uh, All Star break, is fucking wild. We're literally talking about the difference between winning 117 games and losing about 100 games. Colossal shift in uh, team performance over a stretch of of time. Just, yeah. The end result. I think they can can fix it. I I, think a team that is that good is hiding away that talent deep down, but it's still there. Plus, Severino still has to come back. Like the, you know, there, 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 there's, there's dudes who I'm sure will end up make coming back and making a difference. But it's just a matter of lasting. And as of right now, the Yankees are still on top of the AL East. How long that holds for? Who's to say? But as of today, they are still leading the division, so that counts for something, I suppose. Um, disappointing, disappointing. So, one of the other fun things that uh, was populated on Twitter. Our, our, our friend of the pod, Max Greenfield, the other day. Today? Might have been today. Uh, posted a question. How many current Hall of Famers do you think are playing in baseball today? And in his little Twitter poll, he had three options, 0 to 15, 15 to 30, and 30 plus. Um, Corwin Heller. How many active Hall of Famers do you think there are right now? I looked at the list earlier of total war leaders among active players. And immediately I was like, oh, there could be easily 30 plus guys right here. But honestly, like guys that I'm genuinely confident about uh, that I fully expect to make it. Uh, I think it's it's lower than 30. I I do think it's still above 15. I think it's like a, a solid 20 surefire Hall of Famers are active right now. Um, and honestly, I feel like I just don't know enough. Like every year you have a handful of guys on the ballot that you're like, ah, yeah, they're on the ballot. Yeah, they're going to get a good amount of votes. But boy, they're just not gold star absolutely they'd get my vote caliber and i don't see more than i don't see i don't know if we get to 30 i think it's well above 30 okay do you want to run down the list no because that's a lot of names because we don't know all of them because you're forgetting (sighs) that this is someone's rookie year what happens if Julio Rodriguez plays for 13 fantastic seasons and ends up being a Hall of Famer? So I picked three random years, each a decade apart, 1983, 1993, and 2003. 
to see how many Hall of Famers active were there in each of those years. So starting with 1983, players who were active in 1983 who would go on to join the Hall of Fame, there were 27 batters, just batters, and 15 pitchers. 42 players in the 1983 season ended up becoming Hall of Fame players. If we stretch that out, or we we take a view 10 years down the line, 1993, just batters, 30. 30 batters in the 1993 season will go on to become Hall of Famers. An additional 12 pitchers, 42 total players in 1993 season will go on to become Hall of Famers. In 2003, the numbers greatly reduce. Um, I think th- this has a lot to do with this being the steroid era. So it's... Um, you sure? Yeah, there, there's guys here that we, one would expect to have made it who just did not. Uh, but there's 16 batters and... Uh, oh, my pitchers took a minute. Um, sorry, actually, there's more than that. There's... a. Uh, 18 batters and nine pitchers. So that's a uh, 27 players there. This number will go up a little bit, you know, cause I know Pujols is still active from the 2003 season. Um, but yeah, I think I mean, this is a slight aberration because of, again, the steroid era and it gets exemplified by the fact that the two prior decades I picked had, well, a lot of guys like Manny Ramirez, isn't going to make it, which, which skews this Alex Rodriguez, isn't going to make it, which skews this, Clemens and uh, uh, Bonds obviously didn't make it. There's going to be a number of those guys. Andy Pettit. Yeah. No, you you absolutely boomed me with the logic. Uh, you are very much correct. And n- not even very much. You are much, much more likely to be correct than I am. Yeah, and, it, and it's the funny part about considering Hall of Fame people as who is currently of the players today we know going to go to the Hall of Fame? That's a different question. Um, And it's funny because you can really, I feel like you can even see how much 2003 is an outlier just considering how many dudes you could probably name today. And think of like, and if you think to yourself, all right, these are the locks. Like these are the guys I know if they retired today would make the Hall of Fame in in their, uh, at some point at the start of their eligibility period. And then you consider all the dudes that like, who the fuck knows, man? Is Michael Harris the second who we also have to talk about at some point? Is he going to make the Hall of Fame? He fucking might. Who the fuck knows? This dude's career just fucking started. Dude, you know? Jake Cronenworth could go off and have the Hall of Fame career. I would love that so much. You have no idea how much I'd love that. I would love it so fucking much. Like of anyone on that team to pop off and have a Hall of Fame career, not named Manny Machado or Juan Soto, I want it to be Jay Cronenworth. It would just be a fucking blast. Like whatever would happen to cause Jay Cronenworth to be a Hall of Fame player is something I would just like to see. Very true. Because it can only be fun. Honestly, oh, a lot of steroids would help. Uh, there are three active hitters today from the 2003 season who are they uh oh actually one of them is definitely a pitcher cool um fuck uh albert 
Albert is is one. Nelson so Cruz. Obvious, I can't believe I didn't think of it. No, not Nelson. So then Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera is the other one. Uh, now, can you name the pitcher? I'm trying to think. Like Rich Hill is the only person old enough to even make me think that. But I know he got a relatively later start. Um. Man, 2003, 19 years as a pitcher. He has appeared in seven games this season, posted a 15.75 ERA. Um, is it, uh, oh shit, from the Mariners? Uh, Felix? Felix Hernandez. No, it's not Felix Hernandez. Is he still playing? I think so. I don't remember. Damn, I looked it up because I really wanted to know. And uh, Fernando Rodney was the only guy I could think of. No, also but he hasn't played, played in a few years. Same with Fernando Rodney. Conspiracy brewing. I thought I saw him in a in a uniform this year, but it does not surprise me. Uh, yes, I do. Relief pitcher Oliver Perez. Wow. Yeah. Oliver uh, Perez, his first season was with the San Diego Padres in 2002. And this year he has been playing for the Arizona Diamondbacks. A guy who has played for 20 years, having 10.7 career war is hilarious. He he has nearly 15,000 innings pitched. 15,000? 1,500. I was just saying. He only has to play for 90 more years. Um, what's more wild, the war total being so low or the fact that he has not a single accolade to his career? Not just no all-star games or no silver sluggers or gold gloves. He wasn't like on a team that went really far. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 there's no like uh Wow, no AL, LDS, MVP. Yeah, yeah well, like AL, ALCS MVP or, or World Series ring no. or, or anything. Nothing. Not you played for he's, 22 years. That's got to be some shit luck. Because he's just some reliever. Like, it's not like he is, you know, But every championship team has some reliever who was on the championship team. You know what I mean? Right. But he's played for the Mets, the Pirates, the Padres, the Mariners, the Diamondbacks, and the Cleveland Indians. None of those teams outside of the 2015 Houston Astros have any any uh championship pedigree well, the washington nationals 2016 and 2017 yeah. he was only two years away from them winning a world series as well yeah. and then cleveland he was just two years too late mm-hmm. like towards the end of the career he does have that stretch where it's like yeah he was within a couple of years you know what's wild like- hold on you know what's wild when he joined the padres they had only just been to the World Series four years prior. The Padres have not been to the World Series in 24 years. And when Oliver Perez made his major league debut with them, they had been there very recently. Mm. That's fucking amazing. (laughs) (sighs) That That was a bright upstart organization. Then they weren't good. 20 years. Yeah. Then one of their all-star players crashed his bicycle. 
but yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how many players end up going. It's got to be like 40. What What do you think his career high war is for a season? Oliver Perez? Yeah. It's got to be low. Oh, I'm going to say, I'm gonna, no, no, I'm going to go high for a reliever. I'm going to say 1.8. 5. 5.7 in 2004. What? Oh, wait, he used to be a starter. He was a starter, 298 ERA, 196 innings pitched, 239 strikeouts, only gave up 145 hits, 143 ERA plus, led all of baseball in strikeouts per nine. So he does have that one single accolade. He led all of MLB in walks in 2008. So there you go. And it's so funny that of the three players left playing from 2003 two of them are no doubt first ballot hall of fame dudes and one of them is oliver perez and one of them is someone we've literally never heard of oh i know i know who oliver perez is i just forgot he's been around that long uh, i forgot mm. i forgot he was a starter i've only known oliver perez the reliever and i only know him because of all the articles every year when he gets signed of like wow oliver perez still keeps getting signed ain't that some shit Damn. Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. So there'll be two more. So there'll be 29 guys from, from 20, 2003 uh, that end up being Hall of Famers. Not a lot of pitchers. Only nine but pitchers. Fuck them. I mean, yeah. Fuck them. But hey. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, I was going to say something else. Forgot what it was. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Michael Harris II signed a, 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 a Braves classic, which is uh, he signed an eight-year, $72 million deal with Atlanta that runs through the 2030 season and includes two club options after that. So this has the potential of being a, uh, a 10-year contract that would be worth an additional $20 million. So 10 years, $92 million. Um, Oh, sorry, I had that wrong. Uh, initial $35 million. I, I was looking at the buyout, not the second year. So is the potential of being a 10-year, $105 million contract. Uh, nope, that math was still wrong. 107, Jesus Christ. Uh, so it's definitely the biggest surprise, uh, at least in, you know, tenure with the team. Like, Ozzy's was a huge surprise because of how badly they they just fucked him over um this one i just uh, who the hell saw this coming we needed the irs to investigate atlanta to understand how many hitmen they have hired to point guns at these players families because i can't scratch this at all i mean Dude, he's signing away almost his entire career for less money than Aaron Hicks earns. <sighs> Aaron Hicks, in his 30s, signed a seven-year, $70 million contract for $10 million per year. And Michael Harris II just signed a deal that pays him $9 million a year. I 
dude, how on earth do you begin to rationalize that to yourself or to, 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 to sell it to a player? How? Uh, in my mind, this is a, uh, you haven't proven yourself outside of half a season. Um, here's a hundred million dollars. And you can have a 10 year career and get your pension, get yourself covered for the rest. Like, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I get how they um, sold it. Well, that's the thing. I always get how they sell it to, to, to players because the, at the end of the day, it is life-changing money that is fully guaranteed. And it, these guys are young and they want to make sure that they have set themselves up as a good position for their financial future. It's, a, it's an easy, easy sell. Totally get it at a, at, a, at a rudimentary level. What I don't get is you don't get to be a professional athlete, whether that's NHL, MLB, NBA, NFL, whatever, without being a cocky motherfucker. You don't because you have to be. You have to be, say to yourself, I'm the fucking best guy on this goddamn team. I know it. And I'm going to be the next, the best guy on the next fucking team I play for too. I'm, you don't have to be a dick about it, but you gotta, you gotta have that in you to say, I am going to be the best. I'm going to be better than I was yesterday. Otherwise there's no chance you make the show, whatever show that might be. And I don't get how you take that mentality and it doesn't get extended to the financial future of you and your family. That's the part I don't I, I don't understand. And I don't understand who's fighting for these players. Because how do you look at guys like Correa, who has signed a huge deal with the Twins that gives him so much power for his own future and pays him so much money that he's getting at age 27, which Michael Harris, second, won't get the opportunity for because... You know, Correa hit free agency at 27. Harris won't hit free agency until he's 29 at best, 31 at worst. He'll never have the opportunity to do something like that. And I, I, I don't get how you rationalize that to yourself because Correa, if he stays with the Twins, I, I'll double check, but I believe he's going to make more money in three years than Harris will make for the entirety of this contract. I mean, the argument. You know, the, the contrarian argument still is, you know, like Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna were both top 10, top five prospects when they, you know, debuted. Harris peaked at like 90. It's not like he's the same caliber prospect with that pedigree carried along with it. I get that you have to be a confident guy to be an, an all-star caliber athlete, but he's he's not the top of the pyramid type guy where you have a strong expectation to be able to make more than a hundred million dollars in your career. Well, and I, and I understand that. And I, the other thing I want to say is um, because Michael Harris's service time, major league service time, I believe will start this season because he has no prior uh, appearances. What would have been, his salary, it would have been uh, three years of league minimum and then three years of arbitration. So uh, let's, oh, I 
let's just say league minimum is 750 because I kind of forget what it is, and that seems close enough. Um, so that times three is uh, $2.25 million. And then if we average out his arbitration over three years, and let's call it, I don't know, what do you want to call it? $10 million a season just to average out the, the three different arbitration years. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's another uh, $30 million. Um, yeah, so that's $32.25 million. So it's, it, we can say effectively that the of the uh, $72 million he's getting, 32 of that is just buying out the beginning years of his contract and then for the first six years, and then it's four-year, $40 million after that, which – really still just kind of averages out it to being around 10 million per season. And anyway, so it's not a huge difference. Just want to throw that out there as well. Um, and, I, and, I, and I get what you're saying, but at the same time, it's not uncommon for low level prospects to end up becoming big guys, especially when they're needed and Atlanta needs a third baseman. They, they need, they needed Michael Harris the second, or they wouldn't have had him playing. You know, he wouldn't have had uh, he wouldn't have a, uh, you know, a huge chunk, essentially a full season. He was injured for part of it, but essentially a full season's worth of games where he's he's been uh, not a third baseman, a center fielder. Um, if, if they didn't need and for the fact that they come to him with a contract offer in the first place shows that it shows like, hey, we need the idea of you being around. Um, and look, it's inherent risk, but at the same time with his service clock uh, already beginning um, and his youth, I, I just, I, I get that the selling point will always be now you are set up for life, but the point of it is at the expense of what? Mm-hmm. Because he is going to be providing in labor significantly more financial value than he will be receiving significantly more. Yeah. And there's no, unless there's some uh, player options in there that we haven't seen, there's no way for him to really correct that. Which, oof. Yeah, I'm looking at it again. There's no, no player option. That's, uh, that's, that is the scarlet letter right there. Like the only way you 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 would convince me that they sold this contract to him was they had a knife to his balls, then were like do it or else. And who is this fucking guy's manager? With all these Braves players, who is the representation? I I do not have an answer for you. By the way, uh, I was. Uh, pretty much right. Carlos Correa's three-year contract with the Twins was indeed uh, more than this eight-year contract for Michael Harris. Uh, three years, $105.3 million. Oh, just a big old oof. Um, Do you have anything more you'd like to say about this? I know we've been going for a while. I'm going to time to wrap it up. Nope, I am spent. All right. Well, there's other stuff going on, but we're going to have to leave it be for the, the, the time being. Uh, so in the meantime, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicyPod. If you send emails to the show, you can do so at JuicyTheNumbers at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow Corbin on Twitter, you can do so at Corbin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. And until Monday, 
Y'all remember.